Radio Split Ranch. Hello and welcome once again to Radio Split Ranch, a monthly visit with the Capital Region's great broadcasters of the past and sometimes present. I'm Warren Garling when I'm not on the radio. By now you're probably humming along with our very familiar opening theme, composed and performed by my only friend who plays guitar, Drew Jacobs. You've heard Drew's clever parody pieces on the Dr. Demento radio show and on a bunch of CDs he's released over the years. Perhaps you've also seen him in concert. He's great. If you're not a fan yet, it's so easy. Just go to drewjacobs.com. Observant regular listeners to our podcast may have just caught a descriptive change in my opening words a few moments ago. As we continue to connect with professional broadcasters who've entertained and enlightened us over the years in the great Northeast, I find that we've outgrown the radio personalities descriptor. Uh, So I changed it this month to the general term broadcasters. Probably should have done that a couple of months back when Jack Arnicky was our guest, as he was better known as a TV newsman than a radio disc jockey. And the same applies to our guest this month. While she began her career on the radio, like many of us, she made her mark as a television broadcast journalist at a time when it wasn't easy for a woman to succeed in this male-dominated industry. Let's hear the story directly from the horse's mouth, and you'll get that pun shortly. Here's my talk with the talented Tracy Egan. I'm sitting with perhaps the person that I've known the longest of all I've interviewed so far because I knew her before I left high school. Mm -hmm. Tracy Egan uh, and I are the Burnt Hills Boston Lake Senior High School and thank you for joining me in the Radio Split Ranch today. I had no idea when we were in high school that you had any kind of broadcast interest. I, I, I just, I guess we just never talked about that. Right. We were in a high school play together. Mm-hmm. I remember doing that, The Diary of Anne Frank. Mm-hmm. And, um, you were the father, right? Um, no, I, I didn't play the father. Yeah. I, I kind of wish I had. The guy that played the father was very good. I was uh, Mr. Crawler, I think his name was. It was mm-hmm. one of the guys that were, was helping to hide the uh, Sally the, Mills the, was the in that family. play with us. Yes, there you go. Yep, yep. And uh, you did you play the sister? I played Meep. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there you go. And um, at that time, when we first got to know each other a little bit, I had no idea that you were interested in any kind of thing that would get t- you know toward broadcasting. So where did the interest start? Was it in high school? Um, well, actually, before that, okay. my my father had been in the Second World War. Okay. He was in some special branch. Mm-hmm. He uh, served in ADAC in the Aleutian Islands, Okay, and he helped write and publish the newspaper um, with <laughs> It'll come Lillian, uh, Lillian Hellman's boyfriend. Oh, gosh. Um, mm, I remember Lillian Hellman, but I don't remember yes. the boyfriend. Sorry. <laughs> well, uh, it'll, it'll come to it'll me eventually. To, yeah. and, um, but he also was a sports uh, reporter on the radio up there for ah. the armed for the army. Oh, um, okay. So he would you know give all the sports news and also news. So yeah. he had that experience. Wow. And my mother, back when WGY was down on um, Washington Avenue in Schenectady, mm-hmm. a little tiny studio, yep. which she was like a you know in her late teens, early twenties, would do radio plays with them. I'll be darned. And as a librarian, she had a library show, which she taped for WMHT. She taped it at Channel 6. Okay. All right. But it was on public television. Yes. And so occasionally I would go on and be on that show with her. And I 
I liked the cameraman. I liked the fact that they had, I think it's called Howdy Doody Cola and the soda machine that my mother would buy me. And I'm like, I like this place. Wow. So I did I did have that interest. However, I was extraordinarily shy. Okay. And my first interest, I really wanted to be a veterinarian. Okay. But uh, Junior had a talk with my uh, guidance counselor, whose name I forget. Mm-hmm. And he said, you cannot go to vet school unless your father is a vet. Really? Yes. Interesting. And I'm like, why is that? He yeah. said, because they believe that a woman will get her degree and then quit Ugh. to become a mother and not pursue veterinary oh, practice. Yeah. Yeah. So then I'm thinking, well, then I have to do something else. Okay. And so this, I had this idea in the back of my head. But because I was so shy, I knew I had to do something to get out of it. So mm-hmm. being in a play, and any play I was ever in, always before I would go on stage, I would say, why am I doing this yes. to myself? You and me both. Oh my goodness! Why? Why? Yeah, why? Yeah. I, I enjoyed it, but I don't know about you, but the memorization for me was really tough. I wish I had been born earlier to uh, to be able to be a radio actor because if with the script in front of mm-hmm. me, I'm I'm fine, you know. But memorizing was tough for me, and I was in a lot of school plays, but it was always a rough go. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well. I was so naive. I thought that Walter Cronkite memorized his script, and that's why he was able to look in the camera all the time. So I was always practicing memorizing. The first wow. book I memorized was The Black Stallion. Well, good for you. Yeah, yeah. So was The, the Diary of Anne Frank not your first uh, play then? You had done some stuff before then? Um, well, before then, this is a very sad story. I expect oh, okay. violence. Okay. When I was in ninth grade, and very shy, I took mm-hmm. typing, and okay. I was a pretty good typist. Yeah. But at the end of the year, we had to take a typing test, and my typewriter was broken. Mm. You know, there's this kind of a lever on the old-fashioned typewriter yeah. that you push, and then the yeah. carriage goes back. Mine was broken, so I had to stop, take two hands, move it back over, and then type. Oh, no. So... I failed typing. Oh, no. And I was too shy to tell the teacher about my broken typewriter. So my mother said, that's not acceptable. You have to go to summer school. Oh, God. And she was going to be working in the junior high in the summer. And she said, well, and as long as you're taking that class, here's another class you can do. It was a theater class with Dandy Nicola. I'll be darned. Isn't that crazy? So we did... it was a series of poems, one of which was, I was a slave to men. I'll be darned. So I thought that meant, I was a slave to men. I thought it was a slave. <laughs> a slave southern thing, yeah, yeah. Right. I think it was years later before I realized what it was about. <laughs> oh, that's too much. Well, Dan plays a part in both our lives then, because mm-hmm. Dan helped me get the um, uh, the announcing gig for the senior high. That my senior year, I did all the uh, football games, all the home football games. I was the announcer up in the booth, and uh, and I had gotten to know Dan taking um, oh I don't know film as art I think or yeah you know, one of those courses I he took taught a film at Burns. Course from him too. Yes, yes, but uh, but he certainly in, encouraged me and and also taught me a very important lesson. Of course, that's those are my you know, classmates on the field. Yes. So after the first touchdown up there, I'm in the booth, and after the first touchdown, I'm jumping up and down and and cheering, and he pulls me back into my chair, and he goes, you're either going to announce the game or go down there with everybody else and cheer your team on, but you can't do both. Oh. And it's something you do have to learn, obviously, not only in sports, but as a journalist, mm-hmm. you know, that you've got to stay the middle ground. You know, you, you can't, you know, show any bias. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't say that Dan encouraged me. Okay. Uh, because... <laughs> When I when I said that 
that line as if it was a slave. Yeah, yeah. He said to me, you could hitchhike cross country without getting raped. <laughs> and I said, if I tell my father you said that to me, he's going to knock your block off. Yeah, yeah. He goes, forget I said it, forget I said it. And then I found out a few years later, it was a Lenny Bruce line. It wasn't even uh, original to him. Oh, gosh, he's using a So, So here I am. I'm That's told, funny. can't be a vet. He's telling me. Um, you know, I can't pursue broadcasting or that I'm, you know, too naive to live. So what you sometimes when you're young, you have to ignore yeah. the negative voices. Yeah, yeah. My parents might not have encouraged me, but at least they didn't uh, negative, give you. me negative yes. discouragement. Good, good. So I just listened to my own drummer good. and forged ahead. Excellent. And when I got to UAlbany, where I didn't really want to go... Um, <laughs> I, you know, marched right into the radio station hmm. and and that, being but, able to do that tape. Yeah. So then a couple of years later, I had then transferred to Manhattanville College of the Sacred Heart, where I fit in better. Hey, oh, there you go. <laughs> um, to give you a little bit of like what life was like on that beautiful campus in Westchester County, the girls would get up and they'd go to breakfast mm-hmm. and most, most of them would bow their heads and say a prayer. If you went out at a date, you came back to the front of the building, and a nun would lean out the building and yell, Remember, you don't owe that man anything. Whoa! <laughs> my Lord, what memories. <laughs> yes, I mean, very different, but yeah. it was okay. It was okay for me, and I had a, a job. I was out on a bike ride one afternoon and went by a, a small horse farm, and I saw a woman on a large pony, and I said, By any chance, is that a Connemara pony? which come from the west coast of Ireland, and I had one. Mm-hmm. And she said, why, yes, it is. Do you ride? And I said, yes. She said, well, my husband's horse needs exercising, and I will pay you. So she paid me to ride the husband's horse cool. and keep it in shape for fox hunting yeah. and also cleaning stalls, although she did fire me from the cleaning stalls job because oh. I made them too clean. <laughs> too clean. Yeah. Well, that's true. They do need to be, you know, yeah, okay. Yeah. But anyway, so she was down the road from uh, the school, but the college campus was a beautiful place for mm. riding horses. There you go. Not that I ever asked permission. <laughs> so I'm one day I'm in lovely fall day. I'm there. I'm riding this horse. His name is Smokey Stover, and cantering, cantering, cantering. I say, "Oh, there's a stone wall over the left. Let's go, jump over the stone wall." And who is having a class outdoors? But my political science professor, <sighs> Kim. <laughs> Who taught me all about hegemony. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I gave him a, a wave of my hand. <laughs> and he waved he me and off I went. <laughs> oh, that's And funny. then the next time I saw him, he gave me a little talking to about how. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't seem to understand how the call of the great outdoors and the the proximity of a nice horse to ride would sometimes call me away from mm-hmm, higher mm-hmm. learning. Well, that begs the question then, what were you majoring in, in at UAlbany and then at the other school? Political science. Political science. Yes. Well, that, not bad for where you wound up, which we'll get to obviously in yeah. a few moments, but uh, interesting. But uh, UAlbany, you wind up on, on the radio station. Now, mm-hmm. were you doing some disc jockey work or were you doing just some news? I only did news, okay, and I also worked for the student newspaper. Excellent. So um, I would go out and cover like demonstrations, and I can't remember the name of the photographer. It's a very nice young black guy, and I also worked with a guy photographer named John Chow. Okay. And when I got my first job at, um, well, Channel Six was actually my second job okay. on TV. My first job was at Channel Thirteen. I worked there for about three months. Okay. And then I got a job at Channel Six, which was closer to home. Mm-hmm. 
and a $25 week raise. So, well, okay. of course, you got to go for that. <laughs> but anyway, so I got John a, a job there as a videographer. And later hmm. on, I got him a job at WABC in New York. Oh, there you go. Very nice. Yeah. Well, let's not skip too far ahead. We've already <laughs> given away the fact that she's worked in the major market, everybody. <laughs> but um, now I didn't realize, then you've worked at all three local um, yes. news departments. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that. And I also, didn't know the Channel 13 thing. When I was, um, you know, before I went to college, I did. I volunteered at WMHT. Okay, all right, good, yeah. I don't remember the name of the um, the program director there, but I remember him saying, at, you know, we could sit in the morning meetings, I was quiet as a mouse, and I would try <laughs> to absorb, and he would say, you need conflict. And like, a good conversation has some conflict in mm, it. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good deal. Well, Don Shane was the general manager at the time, because he was the first guy that kind of got it started so you worked under him but there mm. you don't remember the program director's name no. i don't remember I, I volunteered there from like 76 i think until the late 90s when i wound up on the board and then eventually worked for them for a while but it was mostly mm. volunteer work uh, over the years. Well, my favorite thing was that they would go outside and have softball games. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And they let the women play. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Well, we had a softball team at uh, WGNA when I worked there, and we had an all-girl pitching staff. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you know, it was slow-pitch softball. So, yes. uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, we touted that. Of course, we traveled all over the Northeast mm-hmm. to play other teams sure. you know, around the place. Yeah. So uh, okay, so you're you're in you're in college down in Westchester County. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you do you feel accepted there? I mean, are you in, enjoying the classes? And, yes, and, and, I, and I like yeah. the, the classes, like the school. I Good. I did a, a a play there. Hmm. Uh, Tristan and Isolde. Then um, somebody reached out to my mother, who worked at. The, she also taught classes at the State University at Albany. Okay. And that through her, they said. Um, there was a, a job, possible job for me at WPTR Radio. Yeah, yeah. So my friends at Manhattanville couldn't believe I would leave <laughs> to take a job that paid so little. Yes, there you go. And then yeah. I transferred to Union College. So oh, I actually okay. graduated from Union College. Oh, did you? With that's a degree in political all science. All this stuff I didn't know about. That's yeah. real. That's cool. So you did get your degree. Yes. Okay, good, because I only went to one year of a junior college, and I have... Uh, half an associate's degree, I call it my half-ass degree, uh, <laughs> before I left and went back into radio. But um, uh, so, you know, so that that's where I pick up your story again, it was at WPTR. I must have come back from Boston uh, after two years there, and, and you were on the air on WPTR. And that's when I said, oh my gosh, I had no idea she had an interest in, in radio, you know, because mm-hmm. we hadn't discussed it at all. I, as you might remember, I was already in radio my senior yes. year of high school. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, so that kind of surprised me, but I did, uh, I did. Do you remember me coming over and visiting one evening? Yes. Okay. You do remember that. That's good. I'm glad to remember yeah, when you're on Albany, Albany Street. Street. Yes. Yep. Yep. And I thought that was so kind because um, my sister Eileen, who was ahead of me in school, she had gone to, there's a place called Flavorland in Glenville. Oh, yeah. My, my brother worked there for a while. Oh, well, maybe he heard these conversations and, <laughs> and these girls would be going, I can't believe Tracy Egan is on the radio. Do you remember how she talked? Because I was very yes, soft Yes, you were, yeah. Very yeah. quiet. Yeah. And so that's why I would go you do plays because I was so shy and I had to mm-hmm. learn how to project. Sure. And, you know, 
breathe from the <coughs> diaphragm and push the voice. Exactly, And kind yeah. of lower it. And you can't be on stage and talk like this. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, see, again, my first exposure to you, we didn't hang around with the same, you know, crowd. First of all, you were a lot smarter than I was, you know, yeah. in my, my, you know, C plus, B minus average. And so we really didn't, you know, wasn't, back then it was very cliquish. People were in different, you know, groups. And I just hung around with the, the actors yeah. and, and Well, the school sort, basically sort of put people in, in, in middle school, mm-hmm. they put me in, uh, you know, accelerated classes, yes. I think they were called. And then yeah. all through high school, I was always in class with the same students. But I was still friendly with all the kids I knew from elementary school. Oh, that's good. That, that uh, continued. Yeah. Sure, I sure. love my my friends from yeah. elementary school, the kids from Boston Lake. Yeah. So I'd say I never realized. I, I remember you being soft-spoken, but I never realized that that was something that you know you obviously struggled with a little bit, especially when you decided maybe being in front of a microphone or a TV camera might be your future. Yeah. Yeah. Good when I you. was at um, WGY, I didn't know that there was such a thing as a teleprompter. So <laughs> So I would, you know, read a news story, and then I would look away from it. I, I would say the whole news story out loud to practice for oh when I started gosh. to do stand-ups. Yeah. So that yeah. day one when I was in TV, I could do stand-ups. Wow. See, see, that's the part that, that would have driven me crazy. Because I thought when I was in news for a while right out of college, I thought this might be a direction to go. Walter Cronkite was my hero. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, I, I could do that, you know. And then I realized uh, that I really needed the script in, in front of me. So, uh, so you learned early on that that was going to come in handy when you're, you know, doing stand-ups and you yes, don't have and, a teleprompter. You know, I never, I never discussed with my mm. mother or a guidance counselor because I, I just found that the adults, they didn't see that I could get to where I wanted to be. But my mother used to give me so many biographies to read when I was a child, mm. excuse me, that I would see these very famous people, movers and shakers in the world and in our past. Mm-hmm had overcome such hardship, oh, yes. which yeah. taught me if you really want something, yeah. you keep working on it, you mm-hmm. figure out what it is you have to do. It's no good to dream if mm. you don't figure out how to accomplish that, the How dream. to get there, yeah. You look at someone like a James Earl Jones, who was a stutterer as a child. And for him to develop into who he became oh is goodness. just you know phenomenal. And, mm-hmm. and so you look at people like that and say, well, I got it easy, you know. Um, so uh, well, good for you. So um, out of college, you decide to come up up and uh, work at uh, not even out of college. You're going to continue it, at college. Union, yep. and you're on on WPTR. You were doing evenings, if I'm not mistaken, weren't yes. you? The news, yeah, yep. yeah. That's when I remember coming by and saying hi and, and catching up with you a little bit. And uh, so, where did it go from there? Who, who, who? First of all, who was at uh, PTR when you were there? Who was your news director? Bob Lawson. Oh yeah, great Bob Lawson. Yeah, yeah unfortunately, yeah. he's passed away. Yeah, but he was he was a terrific person to learn from. I'm sure. And um, you know, now yeah. everybody wants to be a, an anchor. Yeah. But back then, I really wanted to get out and cover news stories. So on hot days, cool. he would let me cover news stories. Nice. And uh, sometimes, you know, he would cover this mostly. He would cover the stories and. Uh, leave me tape stories to to put you know, little cartridges behind mm-hmm. machines would push mm-hmm. in. And one day um, I read an introduction to one of those stories and he called me up. <laughs> you know, he usually came in the state and he said he laughed so hard he, he drove off the road. Oh, jeez. There was an, some investigation in Albany into an Albany madame. Oh. It was an Albany madam. <laughs> yeah. But not, not in my mind. It was madame. I, you know, I was still... Fresh from Manhattanville College of the Sacred yeah, Heart. Exactly. I thought it was a madame. 
<laughs> that's a good one. And he he came and he laughed and he laughed and he was trying to tell me what it was about. But every time he would try to tell me, he would laugh so hard he couldn't finish. And Bob oh, was the God. one who taught me that's how funny. to handle inappropriate behavior. Uh-huh. Um, I guess I won't say the name of this guy because I don't even know if he's still alive. That's but fine. He would come into the newsroom and he... I'd be alone at night, Mm-mm. and he would be drunk, Ugh. and I would be scared, you know, what? Sure, oh, sure. So I told Bob about it. So he said, you have to say, I'd say the guy's name is John. Okay. John, you fat, F-U-C-K, get out of my newsroom. <laughs> and I'm like, John, you fat, F-U-C-K. No, you have to say it. You can't spell it. And he had me practice. John, you fat, Get out of my newsroom. <laughs> and I said it to him the next time he came in, and he looked at me, and I thought he was going to kill me. And then he laughed, and he fell down. He'd crawl a few steps, grab onto the side of the wall, stand up, turn back, look at me, laugh, fall down laughing again, and then he would crawl, and he'd sleep off his drunkenness in his office. Oh, Lord. Oh, gosh. I, I don't know if you beep those things out in your uh, yeah, I, I, You know, I might. I do have a granddaughter that I hope will listen to this someday. <laughs> yeah, 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 so. <laughs> but anyway, I mean... Yeah, I, yeah, that's the kind of school Burn Hills was. I never heard anybody there say the f word. Oh no, same. I here. never certainly same never here. heard it in my home or oh, any yeah. of my friends' homes. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. didn't hear it at U Albany. Yeah, I yeah. didn't hear it at Manhattanville College of uh, the Sacred Heart. Uh, well, you <laughs> see, that's where I've got you beat because I went to work for you know a, a thousand watt you know daytime, two hundred and fifty watt nighttime radio station WSNY in Schenectady, and I learned four letter words that I had never, uh, no idea that existed when I was just sixteen oh, because the, these guys weren't going to hold back for me. They yeah. you know they wanted to impress me with how you know worldly they were, so I learned to swear like the best of them from the best of them from you know folks like uh, Walt Fritz. And uh, and Don DeRosa and folks like that. Oh, great people! Yeah, oh, great they were people. great folks. Yeah, and I and I learned a lot from them. But uh, gosh, if my parents knew the language that was used, and what always drove me nuts was how did they not accidentally do that on the air? Because they talked so basically, you know, so basic off the air that I I would be afraid if I did that, I'd turn the mic on and accidentally do that. You know. Oh yeah. Well, I even to this day I will tell people I don't want to hear that word because yeah. I was afraid if I heard it too frequently, it might come out of my mouth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, yeah. But the, another thing that I'm grateful to Bob Lawson for was he taught me the value of putting your foot down about unacceptable yeah. behavior. Yeah. Good. I was at uh, Channel Seven and I had a news director who, when I took time off to have my baby, he would call me up and say, well, dear, when are you coming back to work? Well, dear, how are you today? And, mm-hmm. and finally, I went in to see him. I didn't have an appointment. You know, I wasn't back from work yet. Mm-hmm. Went in his office, closed the door. I said, may I speak frankly? He said, yes. I said, I'm not your dear. I'm never going to be your dear. Mm-hmm. Don't address me that way. Nice. Good for you. You know? Good for and you. It yeah. worked. Yeah. And we're right here, we're talking the 70s or 80s by uh, this time? By that time, it was uh, 80s. 80s, okay, yeah. But still, I mean, God, that's only 40 years ago. Wow, so yeah. much has changed since then. You know, thank God. Well, you know what I didn't realize until I saw a documentary on, you know, old documentary, I found it on the web, uh, about Channel 7 Eyewitness News. Only shortly before I got there, did they have any women at all? Wow. It was all men. Yeah, yeah. And that's really what the business was. And we had a general manager in the 80s Mm. 
who uh, said to me, well, I never could understand why they let the broads in broadcasting. Mm, yeah, no, crazy, crazy <laughs> yeah. stuff, yeah. It, it did change in the 70s, uh, but I didn't work with a female disc jockey until 76, probably, yeah. I think yeah. Uh, we first got our foot in the door mostly as um, news people. Yes, yeah, yeah. I don't know why they found that more acceptable. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure either, but uh, there's certainly some groundbreaking women that I'm sure you, you know, uh, admired Ellen at over Midnight. the years. Uh, oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, on WGY. Yes, yeah, Ellen yeah. Midnight, sure. So I um, wondered what became of her because yeah. it really was, it wasn't like a female talk show like. Mm. Uh, WGY had a noontime talk show with mm-hmm. Martha Brooks. Yes. And yep. then later it went to Ellie Pankin. Right. And they were, you know, talkers, you yeah. know. Yeah. And Ellie, of course, broadened what the topics could be about mm-hmm. during her lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But before that, it was, you know, these recipes. Exactly. And- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So where, what happened after WPTR? How long were you there at PTR? Do you know? Remember? Oh, gosh, Remember I think those? it was about two and a half years. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Yeah. And then um, as, you know, I finally got out to do some stories, I guess people would report back, oh, she asked good questions and things like that. Nice. And so I was offered a job at Channel 13. Nice, yeah. And I worked there for about three months. Okay. And the general manager at Channel 6 saw me. Okay. And told Don Decker to hire me. There you go. Of course, Don Decker would have preferred if I was blonde and I was brunette at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, it was a slow change, folks. Yes. It took a while to, to come around. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, yeah, so now Channel 6 is where you, you really made a mark. That's where I remember you, mm-hmm. you know, really, uh, you know, making a, a place for yourself. How long uh, were you there? And, and uh, was Don your, um, your news director the whole time you were there? Yes, yeah. he was. I was there for <clears> five years. And I could not have had a better news director to prepare me for going into the big time. I was mm-hmm. better prepared on my first day than many of the people around me. There you go. Because Don, you know, you had to do it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had to do it right. There was no yeah. choice. And even if you were afraid of something, you would do it. Like yeah. one time somebody had been killed. I think he was a member of a Hells Angels gang in, in Troy. Okay. And um, Don sent me and John Chow over the next day to ask questions. And I knock on the door. <laughs> we're here to ask about the murder of so-and-so and then we go out and nobody came nobody you know she didn't the woman we answered the door did not provide any men to talk to us okay so we go out in back of the house and there was a a reporter and a photographer from the troy record and they had come in a little volkswagen okay so that woman that had answered the door she comes out of the front of the house comes around and she sicks two dogs on us oh jeez and john john Chow was going tracy i want to help children protect me <laughs> so i used my best barbara woodhouse voice you ever heard of barbara woodhouse <laughs> yes yes uh, what, um, doggies? yes 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 I'm saying, I said, John, I'll stand in front of you and I'll try. <laughs> so the two guys from the truck record jump in the Volkswagen. They take off. The dogs are coming at us. And I'm, good doggies, good doggies. Back up, John. Good dog. Get to the car, John. <laughs> and and the dogs, my the Barbara Woodhouse voice worked. They're, they're wagging it, it, it their worked. tails. They're, I'll be darned. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, she was uh, PBS, if I'm not mistaken, once again, uh, did, did a, yes. a, a show on uh, training dogs. Yes. Yeah, very popular for a long time. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's wild, boy. You know, that's smart, Tracy, for you to to, to, to think that, that that might work. You know, especially when they're dogs that belong to the Hell's Angels. You know. Well, my my the way I was able to buy my first horse was by saving money. I got 
you know, aunts and uncles would give me like a dollar for every birthday. Nice. And then I went out and uh, got paid like a quarter or a nickel to train my neighbors' uh, dogs and cats to do tricks. I'll be darned. Yes, I and the, the only thing I would ask is say, please don't give your dog breakfast. Please don't give your cat breakfast. Okay. And then I would come it's and I would have, the, the you treats. know, cheese, yeah, yeah, yeah. treats. And you, when you train a, and years later, so this is how I, I could I could teach dogs to do almost anything, but there was mm. this one dog, I could not teach him to stay home <laughs> because he liked me too much. Oh, okay. So he would he leave his house and he would come down to my house. And my father would say, you walk that dog back home. So I'd walk the dog back home. I'd get home. Ten minutes later, the dog is oh, back. Geez. So anyway, this went on yeah. and on. But many years later, I did a story at the Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Circus cool. in yeah. New York where I uh, met, um, oh gosh, what is the animal trainer's name? I had it a second ago. Uh, Famous animal trainer. Yeah, it'll come to you. Yeah. And um, he said, I think you can go on the cage with the big cats. He said, And I said, I know I can. So I go in, you know, he's with me. Sure. But he's telling me, you know, softly what commands to get. And, and I did. And we come out. He said, how did you know you could do it? I said, I used to train animals. There you I go. mean, I would train rabbits and, and young deer to come to me in the woods. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And he said, if you teach an animal a command through its stomach, it can never resist that command. There you go. Yeah. So smart. there I was, four and five years old. Figured it out. <laughs> a woman of woman of many talents, I'll tell you. <laughs> and and or or very weird ones. Oh, very weird ones, yeah. <laughs> and you know, looking back now, you probably would have made a, a great veterinarian. I mean, you just have a connection, oh. you know. And, and 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 it's a shame that you know. Well, we're happy that it turned out, and then yes. you had a nice career. But but it's a shame that somebody discouraged you from uh, from doing that. You know, that's too it bad. is, and also. Um, Stan Garrison was a really well-known vet in Burn Hills. Yeah. So when I was a kid, um, I would go around with him, and when he would go to the farms, so I would like if a horse was getting gelded, I would hold the horse while he gelded it. Then he'd go off to talk to the owner, and I would hose the horse while he was standing there. Okay. One memory I have is of a cow that basically shot its uterus out when it delivered. Okay. So I had to hose it off. We put ice on it, and then he got these giant vials. And, you know, maybe I'm exaggerating, but not by much. Okay. I'm holding my hands about, what? fingers about 10 inches 10 apart. 10 inches apart, yeah. So oh, I wasn't much help, but I was some help pushing it back into the cow. Oh. And then he gave the cow these giant vials of antibiotics. Mm, mm, okay, <laughs> wow. And none of this bothered you growing up because you were around it all the time. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and now yeah. I have a horse farm. I figured you So did. you pretty much got to be a vet with my own horses. That, that's true. That's true yeah. for sure. Yeah. So um, learned a lot, and you've already told us of some you know memories you have of the days at, uh, at WRGB Channel 6. Who were the uh, folks you were working with on the air back then? Um, <clears throat> the anchor was Ernie Tatro. Sure, yeah, makes sense. The next in line, oh, no. Oh, Don Craig was there. Okay. Ed Dagg was there. Sure. Uh, wasn't Bob Lawson, uh, not Bob Lawson, um, Bob McNamara doing sports at the time? Yes, Bob McNamara yep, was doing yep. sports. I thought so before oh, he Sharon went to 13. Smith. Oh, I remember Sharon Smith. Sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Liz Bishop did sports on the weekends. Yes, yeah. And of course, Liz has been there since like 1970, if I'm not mistaken. I think she's well over. No, uh, I don't uh, think uh, so. Not, not that far, far back? I think okay. it was more like. 
Okay. Maybe 75. Okay. All right. Well, I know it's been, uh, you know, quite a, a career there that she's, uh, she's made for herself. But um, you had some uh, some good folks that you worked with and I'm sure learned from. Any other outstanding, um, I mean, a lot was happening at the time uh, you were there. You're talking now the late 70s, early 80s. The um, you it was, know. Well, obviously we're in the, the late 70s. And um, Ed Dagg I learned a lot from. Mm, mm. Because you'd come back from a story and he would ask you a question that some people would say it was so unfair. And I learned no question is unfair. If you don't know the answer, at least tell people why you don't know the answer. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, great stuff. And, uh, and of course, he's, he's remembered very fondly here in the area as well. So um, somebody, uh, evidently you caught somebody's eye in a, in a major market shortly uh, thereafter, your stay at WRGB? Is, um, I wouldn't uh, say I caught their eye. I made a tape. Okay, good for you. And I include what one of the things on the tape was the dogs attacking us. Cool, cool. <laughs> from the Hells Angels smart, hideout. Smart, smart, yeah. Um, <laughs> and the uh, the secretaries in the office at Eyewitness News used to take tapes that people would send in from all over the country. And while they ate their lunch, they would plug the tapes in and they would laugh wow. at the people trying to get a job in New York. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure there were some things to, uh, to laugh at, but um, you were hoping they weren't laughing at yours. I, you know, I didn't know that until after I got the job. So um, this woman named Liz Clarkin looked at my tape, and she liked it. So she told the news director. So um, Ron Tindilia called me up. He was the news director, and he said, uh, Tracy, my girl Liz says she thinks she ought to come work with us. Wow. Uh, now, had you been looking anywhere else, or did you set your sights no. on New York City? I had been offered a job in Houston. Okay, because a lot of folks do take a couple of steps before getting yeah. into an well, you know, LA when or I, when in, I New said York. that I would, I told the guy that I would think about taking the job in Houston, and then I realized I didn't want to go that far from my family. Sure, yeah. But a three-hour drive down the road didn't seem too bad. Exactly. Yeah, well, that's cool. So you wind up in New York City. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, at the anchor desk, or were you on the street? Uh, I started as a reporter, and then I got to anchor, and the big shots at ABC said um, she really shines with the the big guys. Nice. Nice. You know, like um, Tom Snyder wanted to work alone, but they would say, like, he would do things like, like slam his hand on the desk right before and on the air. Well... Uh, Freddie Saburo at Channel 6 used to do that. So Okay, so you were used to That wasn't going to bother me. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you obviously were brought up right. You know, I mean, well, you, exactly. you learned your lessons. And, from, yeah. you know, and Tom could ask a question, but yeah. it was never as good a question as Ed Dig would ask. Mm-hmm. So I would always be prepared for that. Nice, You know, nice. know how to answer it. But, but uh, to your credit, Tracy, that is quite a jump. I mean, the, uh, this market at the time was like 45th in the country. So you, you went from... A media market station to you know New York City. A lot of people don't make that, you know, immediate leap. So you know, congrats and and kudos. Well, um, I didn't. I guess I was again. I was Bill and Mary's daughter from Boston Lake, and yeah, I, yeah, I just didn't think that I wanted to go to work in Pittsburgh or St. Louis or, hmm. you know, I was comfortable going down the road. Plus. I felt like I already knew New York state politics. Uh, going to for, to school at Manhattanville, mm-hmm. I followed New York City TV and New York City News. There you go. So I knew some of the New York City politics sure. as well. And here you were in the capital, so you knew, as you say, New yes. York state politics. 
Yes, yeah. in fact, my senior thesis was a documentary for Channel 6 called Remember the Women. And it was about women in the New York State Legislature. Wow. Which it wasn't, it really wasn't until I think the late 70s, early 80s that mm. women started to get representation sure. there. That's and true. we had um, Marianne Krupsack as a lieutenant governor. Remember that name? Which yes. was a very big deal. Oh, yes, yes, at the time, absolutely. And I remember when Karen Johnson became mayor of Schenectady? Schenectady, yep, absolutely. Another yeah. huge deal now. It's not so huge, but even yesterday when uh, Nancy Pelosi, this will t- help you find the date for this, it's November 18th, when Nancy Pelosi was giving her f- farewell speech as Speaker of the House, mm. she said when she first came to the House, I think there were maybe 12 women. Something like that, And now yeah. there are 97. Yeah, something, yeah. And looking for more. Yeah. It's just talking Democratic women in the House. Yes. Of course, there are Republicans as well. Yeah. But why not have women representing exactly. our interests? Oh, absolutely. Now, there, there's no reason why not. And I have uh, you know, thought that for you know, many, many years. Mm-hmm. And uh, never considered, when I was hiring uh, as a you know, program director in radio, never considered whether it was male or female. Didn't, didn't make any difference to me. At one point at GNA, we had female from 3 to 7 in the afternoon and another one from 7 to midnight. And it never dawned on me that that would be any kind of problem with, with our audience. And yet, you probably talked to anybody else at the time when I was doing that, and they would have said, "Are are, are you nuts? You, you never play two female, you know, country artists back to back. Why would you have, you know, two female disc jockeys on the radio station for, you know, the the bulk of your day?" And I said, I, I, "They were talent. They were talented, mm-hmm. and then that's where they, you know, uh, you know, belonged." Yeah. So and I never look how long that. it took for the Today Show to put on two women. There you go. Without a male co-host. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. So New York City, that had to be uh, quite the experience. And uh, any stories stand out there that um, you either were on the street for or that uh, sat in the... How are election nights in New York City? They must have been a a challenge. I remember one time at Channel 7, the regular 11 o'clock female anchor took off on election night. And I was getting a lot of praise from the big shots um, at ABC because a lot of people... You know, they can only read what's in front of them about politics, but I Mm -hmm. knew everything about politics because I followed it. And I probably should mention that my father was a Democrat active in Saratoga County Uh, in the 1960s. He ran for Congress in 1962 and only lost by a few thousand votes. Wow. And at that time, I think there were 11 times as many Republicans as Democrats in that district. So Bill Egan and his progressive platform, he wanted to help veterans Mm -hmm. and to provide Medicare for senior citizens. Wow. And, you know, the Republicans were bashing him for being, you know, so liberal. Sure, sure, yeah. (laughs) But there you go. So you were exposed to it very early right so i had it yeah. i had an interest in it sure and often in my life i've said well i like politics because it's so funny yeah <laughs> I, I wish it was still funny today it's oh. gotten too yeah yeah too extreme i, I liked yeah. it when there was the loyal opposition sure sure yeah absolutely and but there was always you could always find some common ground there was always some compromise and and you know the parties could work together for the betterment of all yes and that's what we were missing the last few years yes i i used to make uh, jokes all the time in the when i was at wtry the first time from 88 to 92 and it's just saturday morning spark time mm-hmm. i would make political jokes all the time had a ball doing it mm-hmm. picking on either the folks in power or trying to be in power mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I never thought a second about it. 
my final few years on the radio when TRY was now FM and I was there from mm. uh, 90, or I'm sorry, I was there from 2002 until 2020. The last five or six years that I was there, I didn't dare do anything political. It was it was a music station, mm-hmm. but I was a personality, and I thought, you know, that's part of the shtick, you know, is talking about what's going on in our lives. And I just said, no, I am going to lose some of the audience, mm-hmm. or I am going to upset the mm-hmm. management, or whatever it might be. And so I, all of a sudden, wasn't making political jokes anymore, and, and you know, just find times change, you know. They do indeed. Um <laughs> I think there's a show on HBO on Sunday nights where it's like the circus. Okay. And they yes. do mm-hmm. portray the funny side of yes. politics. Yes, You know, because some things are just so ridiculous. That oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And that that is a real way, a really good way, I think, of shining light on truth. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And, well, I enjoy Stephen Colbert for that exact reason. He came along at the, at the right time to do a late night show and uh, he had no idea that that it would evolve into I mean if he doesn't talk politics then there's hardly anything to talk about at the beginning of the show Mm -hmm. which is why he developed a second thing that he does after the first commercial break called Meanwhile so the other stuff that's going on in the world Mm -hmm. while we're all talking politics he he does you know have some fun with as well yeah I enjoy that a lot so you're at uh, WABC in New York, which is just you know uh, top of the, the the heap. You're you're doing very well down there. What uh, what transpired? What what happened to uh, bring you back to the area here? Well, I I really loved the work down there. I thought. Now, did were you did you live right in Manhattan while you I were there? I lived around the corner. I lived at wow. 10 West 66th Street. Wow. So um, at one point, um, ABC opened up a, a company cafeteria across the street. So my little toddler daughter and I would go across <laughs> the street and we'd get like bacon and eggs and pancakes and orange mm-hmm. juice and milk mm-hmm. for about $3. Jeez. It was subsidized. Yeah, yeah. And then I'd take her home and then I would, you know, go into work, mm-hmm. which was just around the corner nice. on yeah. 65th Street. I loved it. I always said if there was a high speed train, I would love to live up here. And go down there to do the work because I truly, truly loved it. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine you would. I volunteered for many years with the uh, National Kidney Foundation, and um, the uh, general or the uh, president, if you will, or the. Uh, I don't know if president was the the title he had. But anyway, the guy that was running the organization in Midtown Manhattan lived in Poughkeepsie. And he would use those that hour and a half on the train every day, mm-hmm. getting ready for his day, and then you know work again that mm-hmm. hour and a half going home each night. Mm-hmm. But he put in you know long days. I yeah. mean, he'd barely get home, and he's back on the train going back down there. But that's what some folks have you know decided to do. Well, that that has been the case. But um, a gentleman I know very well, he's an attorney, um, was at a firm and a partner law firm for many met decades. But I had a chance to move to another law firm where he could work remotely ah. and only occasionally go into Manhattan. There you go. And he jumped at the chance. And the difference it has made in his life with yes. having time for his family, yeah. he feels the work he does is better. Instead of performing it on a laptop on a bus, mm-hmm. he's performing True. it on a, a laptop or a desktop at his home. There you go. Yeah. And his life and his health has improved. Yeah, that's changing with a lot of folks. We've got a neighbor just down the street here whose son is a lawyer, works out of his home for a New York City law firm, and he lives outside of Boston. 
So he goes to New York City a couple times a month, you know, meets with the partners and whatever they have to do. But he's home helping to raise the four kids they have, including a mm-hmm. set of twins. And, uh, and, and he said it, it, life has just been – in some cases, you do have to thank COVID for opening our eyes to the fact that we really don't need to be – in an office setting to get good work done. Right. There are certain advantages to that, but there are a lot of disadvantages as well. So this young man, uh, who's my son's age, they went to school together, is just uh, very successful and doesn't have to Mm -hmm. be in the craziness of New York City, where my son happens to live at the moment too. But um, in any event, um, yeah, I I can see where if you had a high-speed train, you'd want to obviously be up here more often. But again, you're only three-hour drive away, so if you you did have the time and could come home. um, you know, for a reporting job where you're already working, yeah, you know, yeah. probably 10, 11 hours a day. True. true. It would just yeah. be too, too hard. That's probably true. And then to have to feed the horses before and after your commute. No, <laughs> just, just too hard. Oh, yeah. Gunther Gable Williams was the animal oh, trainer. Oh, sure. I remember that name. Yes, um, with the Wrangling Brothers. Yes, yeah. You know, the yeah. cute little outfit, yeah. <laughs> the whip, <laughs> and the German accent. Absolutely. You will do this. You yes. will. I think uh, anybody our age listening will remember that name. Yeah, yeah. he was very popular. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll repeat the question again. What led you to come you know, back out of New York City um, after all those years in the spotlight and, and come back home? It, uh, it, just, you, know, you can make something honestly, up. We don't we don't. You oh, know, yeah, care. yeah. You won't know that it's the truth or not. Oh, it's because I... Because I wanted to cut my pay in half. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Which is why I went to work for public television. I just needed a pay cut. Yeah. Yeah, So I decided to cut my pay in half. And my husband cut his by about 20%. Yeah. Because I wanted my daughter to be influenced by my parents. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And um, also, I, I really missed skiing. I missed horseback riding. Sure. And I know you can do it from New York, but it's so much harder. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's neat. So you came back here and, and landed in a, a good spot. Yes. Um, yeah, I was very, very lucky that that I was able to go to Channel 6, back to Channel 6. That was the second time Don Decker hired me. He okay. hired me a third time at Channel 10. Uh, well, I, was, I thought 10 is where you went, but you came back to 6 yes. and then went over to 10 yes. later. Okay, yep. okay. Yep. So Thanks to Don Decker again. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like uh, Liz and I have talked how really Don Decker made both of our lives possible. There you go. I mean, he took a chance on a blonde, you know, <laughs> who liked sports when they didn't have women doing sports. True. Yeah. Uh, took a chance on me when I was still in college. Yeah. And then taught us how to do our jobs well. Well, at, at least we're get there. They're getting some some credit now. I've always, from the very start, said, you know, there's there's no way this program director at a small radio station is connected. He should have hired a 16 year old, but he did because he saw how much I enjoyed doing what I did, and he knew that I would do it for next to nothing, which is you know what radio and yes. sometimes TV can be. So we do owe a debt of gratitude to those folks that uh, that taught along the way. And I got a chance to teach for about five years at the new school of, uh, at that time, contemporary radio here mm-hmm. in Albany. And I just felt like I was giving back. You know, it was good to have the second paycheck because I was here? in radio. Yeah, it's it's under, it's a different uh, uh, name now. Uh, you, It went to uh, the new school of uh, contemporary radio and television, and then they dropped the contemporary, and now they've added a whole segment on um, uh, engineering for uh, audio, audio engineering. Oh. 
And so there's, yeah, there's still mm-hmm. a school locally that's uh, turning out some folks. But as you know, everything's changed so much in radio, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the training ground in radio was to do the overnight shift. But now the overnight shift doesn't either have a host or it's all pre-recorded. Right. You know, and yeah, that's so just there's not the that place to learn. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I stay in touch with one of the young women who had been a camera person at Channel 10 when I was there. Mm-hmm. And she said if she had known that all she was going to get out of Channel 10, it was a very small paycheck mm. with no opportunity to mm. advance. Mm. She wouldn't have gone there after wow. college. Wow, interesting. Yeah. But again, it has changed so much. And uh, even uh, a, a lot of what we're watching on TV news today, there isn't sometimes even a cameraman with these people. A lot of them are setting up their own camera and it's just a standard and they're standing in front of a tripod. Uh, and so it's one person out there by themselves mm-hmm. when you were doing it. And you not only had a cameraman, but you had an audio person usually with you too, didn't you? Or did the cameraman play um, double duty? Not at Channel 6, but I went, when I went down to New York City. Well, there you go. Well, actually, U- Union, no. maybe? No? Hmm, seems no. at Channel 13. I just remember the days of of, of Yeah, you know, I don't remember covering... having three-man crews at, at Schenectady. Yeah. But when I went to New York City, they still had film crews. They had an advanced... Because the unions fought the videotapes. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Um, so there'd be a sound man, a lighting man, yeah. and a cameraman. Yeah, yeah. And there was one crew that was very funny. One guy was uh, Chinese, one guy was Jewish, one guy was Irish. It sounds like a bad joke. <laughs> well, it was like we'd go someplace, and the three of them would go in three different directions. Okay. <laughs> and sometimes for permanent separation, and then... <laughs> You know, the last guy, you know, out would have to catch a cab and meet us back at the, oh, at the ranch. Oh, yeah. And the, the, the cameraman, he was, seemed always to be in a, a bad mood and, you know, very, very cross. Mm-hmm. And one day he gave, he was in, we were in the car and he gave me one of those horrible, mean, like, I'm so disgusted with you looks that I held up my mirror and sa- I said, you see what I have to put up with all day? <laughs> and he looked, and for a moment I thought he was going to be really mad, and then he laughed. There you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there, it's like the the uh, general manager moment at Channel WPTR. Yeah, yeah. You stand up for yourself, uh, and exactly. then they see the humor in what they're doing. Exactly, yeah, yeah. When I, I taught for a while uh, voice acting for uh, actually 10 years, uh, locally, and uh, one of the lessons was, uh, you know, smiling, looking in the mirror mm-hmm. and smiling. And I learned later that somebody I worked with who had worked in a uh, collections office, um, she was uh, told the first day there is a, a mirror that's going to hang right over your telephone. And when you're on the phone talking mm-hmm. to these people, you look in that mirror and there better be a smile on your face wow. because you're trying to do something that these people don't want to listen to. You know, you're collecting money from them and you've got to be positive sounding. You've got to be upbeat. You've got to be, you know, you got to put the smile on mm-hmm. your face for it to come through in your voice. And so uh, it's, it's a lesson, you know, to be learned, you know, by that folks doing this. That is a wonderful this. lesson. Yeah. Um, now I have a small staff at the New York State Thoroughbred Breeding and Development Fund, mm-hmm. and I, every staff member is told, you are not to discipline any other member of the staff. You're not to put down any other member of the staff. Mm. If you have a problem, come to me. Okay. Because even if I get perturbed by something, I will take a deep breath, wait, and try to move my level of understanding closer to where the person who's having the problem Smart. Yeah. is. Yeah. So that we can resolve it in a peaceful manner. Very smart. And I've just found that works so well. People can call up and they're having a problem and they're really angry about something. By the end of the phone call, I'd say 99.9% of the time, 
they're like, okay, I yeah. think this sounds like a good solution, and I'll cool. I'm going to work with this other person I'm having the problem with, so that it mm. it can have a happy ending. There you go. Smile on the face. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, uh, before we get to what you know more on what you're doing now, which sounds to me like it was a, a, a nice um, you know segue. Um, you're at uh, Channel Six for the second time, mm-hmm. and then uh, does Don leave and go over to Thirteen and take you with him, or how did that work? Uh, Don retired. Well, did he retire? I think he was pushed out of Channel Six. Okay. And uh, probably making too much money. We've we've we talked about that before uh, we started, uh, you know, the the, the well, recording. Well, he may have here. been making too much money. Yes, that's probably it. <laughs> yeah, that's probably yeah. it. Because why would you get rid of a guy yeah. who was always number one? Exactly. He was a great trainer of sure. young people. Yeah. Uh, so so he left. Then I was there, and then I was making too much money. <laughs> and uh, the news director that was there at the time told me he didn't have want to have two women going through menopause at the same time. Oh, jeez. And I told the other woman, she said, well, I'm going to be sure to tell them I'm younger than you. I said only by a few months. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord, but anyway, I'll tell you. Funny. Oh, that's too much. But, it, you know, it's all worked out because the job that I'm in now, I mean— Maybe it was because my mother was praying to the Holy Spirit, but it's a perfect job for me. There you go. It's a perfect blend of working with people. Mm-hmm. I work with government. Okay. You know, I have an understanding of politics. Yeah. So I'm very careful how I tread. Sure. Very careful how I tread what I say. Yeah. And of course, it involves horses, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I love. I'm. <laughs> I prayed so hard to have a horse when I was a kid yeah. that when I get a horse, I generally have it for its whole life. There you go. And um, I try to mentor other people and say, if you don't, you know, have a plan uh, so that if, you know, you're not going to live forever or if you get hit by the bus, Mm. make sure your family knows Mm -hmm. what's to be done with your horses. Because when you send them to a plain old public auction when they get very old, Mm -hmm. the chances are they could be bought by somebody who has a bad purpose in mind, like yeah, yeah. sending them to another state so that they can then send them to a kill pen. Yeah. And in New York, we have a law that's mm. tr- meant to discourage sending thoroughbreds and standardbreds to good. kill pens. Well, that's good. It, it is good. But um, me, I don't understand sending any <laughs> horse to slaughter. Mm, mm. You know, especially if it's been your riding horse. Oh, sure. You know, it's your sure. riding horse. It's like they're like part of your soul. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're, you know, up there in the Adirondacks, breathing mm. in the beautiful air, this beautiful animal is in spirit with you and like my horse prince we'd get to a a river and i'd go oh my gosh i'd love to go to that island but how am i going to get my horse to go over and i would just think it and off he'd go wow he was the best wild yeah that's terrific so uh obviously you didn't have trouble with the transition out of public life into a, a little bit more private and into a business that engulfed you know what you you know aspired to from the start you I know love it. working and my, with... and my father was um involved in real estate for like i don't know 40 or 50 years okay so in the early 1990s um as he was getting older i decided i would help him in his business so i got my real estate license so nice. mostly what i did with him was sell um mostly horse farms and cool. lakefront properties mm. which is which is okay, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Now I do more residential, um, but I'll still do you know the occasional horse farm or lake property. Nice. And I have a wonderful broker. Her name is Jennifer Fortune. <laughs> okay. A Fortune Realty Group. Her father, her stepfather was the or is the uh, superintendent. Sorry, supervisor in the town of Clifton Park. Okay. She's like thirty-eight years old. She started in real estate when she was eighteen. 
And of course, being only 38 years old, she is a master of all the tech. There you go. Because real estate has changed tremendously. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Thank goodness, yeah. because it used to take hours sitting at somebody's table to fill out a form mm-hmm. to, you know, for yeah. a listing. Yeah. And now there yeah. are forms on, on the computer. Sure. Bing, bing, bing. <laughs> type it in and Pretty neat. as type yeah. as you can fast and they can talk. Mm-hmm. You've got it done. Yeah. Uh, again, that helped you know that your business and that business, a uh, real estate business. Mm-hmm. But I look at what it did to radio, and it's uh, it's sad because what radio wound up is today is is all pre-recorded, and it, you're not hearing too many live folks anymore. Your live your live announcers maybe in the morning, but after that, um, they're sometimes not even in the same market. They're elsewhere, and mm-hmm. they're recording. Uh, we call it voice tracking. So it's it's changed a, a lot. Um, there There's no more... Uh, I used to love crossover when I would take over for the guy in front of me and a guy or girl in front of me, mm-hmm. and then the, the next person coming in after me, and mm-hmm. there'd be that crossover, that talking back and forth and laughing and saying, you know, well, you're going to have a you know, great four hours with, you know, next, you know, yeah. with this guy coming up. And all of that disappeared about 20 years ago. But and you know what? I think there's, I think there really would be an appetite for that because oh, I think so people too. are, they're more isolated, especially if they're only going to their office two or three days a week. True. There's more of a need for like human companionship. It's true. And when you hear live people talking to each other, mm. hey, you know what? I think that person would like me. Mm-hmm. I'd like to be sitting there having, you know, a cup of tea or a beer yeah, with them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I guess it come. There's still some in some of the smaller towns and villages around the country. There's still some, mm-hmm. you know, radio stations that do it that way and uh, and and do fine and and you know sell time, which is you know how you stay on the air. But it's always been a business, and that's something as an entertainer that always. Uh, not bothered me, but it was always the part that that I didn't get along with as good. I, I never got along as well with the sales managers as I did the other disc jockeys and the boss, yeah. or if I was the boss. Um, well, yeah, it's yeah. a very similar yeah. story to so. newspapers. Yes, newspapers are so important. Yes, I mean, yeah, you know, I I love. I don't always agree with her editorial stances, sure. but it's certainly useful to be able to go online and have a paid subscription to the Times Union, mm-hmm. so you can find out what's going on locally. Exactly, yeah. And yeah. there's far too few local papers that have survived. It's true. Because how do you find out about what's going on in your town? You know, most towns, like mine, the town of Boston, they have they have a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And so, but they'll post something, you know, tonight such and such is happening, but I might not get it in my feed for three days later. There you go. I found that to be ca- the mm-hmm. case too here in Gilderland. Yeah. Well, Tracy, um, tell me a little bit more about what the business you're, you're currently in, um, you know, with the, the, the horsing, horses in, in New York State. What's it called again? The New York State Thoroughbred Breeding and Development Fund. Okay. And so we're, what, we're what do you do? We're a pass-through organization. Okay. In other words, what, we, we don't get any tax dollars. We okay. only get money that comes from racetracks. Okay. You, know, you put $2 through the window, mm-hmm. and a little a few pennies of that comes to my organization okay. here in New York State. Mm-hmm. And then we distribute that. If somebody breeds a horse in New York State, and that horse finishes first, second, or third in a race in New York State, mm-hmm. the breeder gets an award, which is equivalent to a portion of the purse. Okay. But it comes from my group. Interesting. We don't hold on to the money. Every two months, we send money out. Gotcha. Because we want that money in motion. We yeah. want people to get that money. They bred a successful horse. Okay, take that money. Pay your feed man. Help repair the fence. It's never money that's going to make anybody rich because mm-hmm. there's a cap on on the awards. Sure. 
but it's money that helps you if you've made a good decision and bred an athlete that wins, mm-hmm. um, you get rewarded for sure. it. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, which is a little bit different than the way the the market is a, as a whole. The market as a whole rewards thoroughbred breeders for breeding a shiny penny for the sales ring. Oh, okay. Okay, this is by a sire. He's mm-hmm. never had any of his babies run, but we mm. think he's going to be super. So we're going to pay a premium for that shiny penny. There you go. Now that shiny penny. You know, might never get to the track, True. might not win a race. Yeah. So it's a very different uh, mindset than what has always been the hallmark of New York breeders. Now it's changed quite a lot, as a lot of Kentucky people are, you know, helping to make their Kentucky stallions by sending mares up here to fall, thinking, well, mm. they'll have a smaller crop to compete against, more like fifteen, sixteen hundred foals versus. A Kentucky foal is breeding against, uh, competing against the entire crop mm. of about nineteen thousand foals. Wow, uh, big business in New York. Yeah, I think we put about uh, three and a half, four billion dollars mm. into mm-hmm. the state's economy. There you go. Yeah, and like the the race tracks in Saratoga, the standard bread and, and thoroughbred tracks. Mm-hmm. I think they uh, are said to be a two hundred million dollar a year wow. stimulator mm-hmm. for the nine counties, including Saratoga. And eight surrounding counties gotcha. because yeah. they bring in uh, tourist wow. dollars. Yeah. And, you know, besides that, we also have a new showground. Skidmore College has a new showground at what used oh. to be the Rich Farm in Stillwater. Cool. It's now called White Oak Farm. Okay. So many, many weekends, spring, summer, fall, there are horse shows over there. Mm. So that's that's a whole nother... Yeah, uh, yeah. With, with show horses... All the girls in love with horses can get close. <laughs> you know, when you're talking racehorses, not everybody's going to get on the back of a True. horse that's going to go exactly 40 miles an hour. <laughs> right. <laughs> so tell me, do you miss the, the, the days of being in, in the public eye and doing no. uh, the TV uh, news? No? No? Those, 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 no. It was good while it was going on, but... Uh, yeah. I, I loved it while yeah. it was going on. Yeah. But I, I love my life. I think if you're happy... Yeah. You're just happy. Yeah. I mean, one of my nicknames when I was young was Smiley because I was always smiling. <laughs> Very I was good. too dumb to not smile. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it, uh, you're the, uh, perhaps the most interesting, and don't tell any of the other guys and, and women I've interviewed so far, but you've had a, a very interesting life, not only because you know you took your, your love of broadcasting to a major market, but then to be you know living a, a good life you know in the later years doing you know what you knew would be fun for you, and, and you're still having fun, and you're still smiling, mm-hmm. and uh, and yet you've got all these great stories to tell, and I'll never forget the the dogs coming at you, and in uh, in Troy. Oh yes. <laughs> so uh, thank you for sharing the stories and uh, and just continued success. And um, we 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 miss you at the lunch. You gotta try to you know you know come on. You're the boss there. Can't you take a, an hour hour and a well, half for lunch two, yeah, every I, other month? I really keep a close on the calendar. Like if it's just before, just after a board meeting. Okay. I. I feel like I always have to be available, but I will definitely try to make yeah, one of those lunches. Yeah. And my okay. sister has worked in radio. Yes. My sister, Eileen Egan Mack, and she does mm-hmm. voice work too. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll yeah. bring her bring as her well. Bring her too, yeah. Because I had great fun at those lunches. Yeah. And you'll meet some of the folks you, you worked with, like uh, you know Jack Arnicky and then I think Walt Fritz was probably somewhere in the I building. Did, when yeah, you I were, sat next to Walt Fritz uh, did you, at one you of go. the luncheons. Yeah, yeah. So there's some great stories that uh, we all enjoy uh, sharing with each other. And, and thank you for sharing with, with our audience today. Thank you. Radio Split.
Pit Ranch. Well, that was a real kick. It was great catching up with Tracy again. It's been too long. Perhaps the widest ranging interview so far here on the radio Split Ranch. The history of a career that took a local girl to the top TV market in the country, all the way back to a horse farm in Saratoga County. Thanks again, Tracy. Turns out Tracy will only add six sets of call letters to our running total, represented by the 16 interviews we've done so far. So our total is now up to 176. Since Tracy's story includes mention of her mom and sister both having worked on local PBS TV station WMHT, where I volunteered and eventually worked for a total of about 40 years, I thought you might enjoy listening to a quick interview I did with WGY's Joe Gallagher while employed as the auction manager back in April of 2005 when I worked full-time at WMHT. The fun thing about appearing as myself using my real name on WGY is that I regularly joined Joe in his studio as Chris Warren as I worked just down the hall and to the right at WTRY at the time. Talk about confusing as already confused listeners. Enjoy this flashback and I hope you'll come back for more next month at the Radio Split Ranch. Until then, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. Our teachers do a wonderful job, and they uh, always do a great job educating our kids. It's just that uh, homework stuff. I never bothered. I didn't care much. Never bothered to do one. Oh, I never. You know, my, son, my sons do it now because uh, they have to. I realize the importance of not doing it. Are they doing your homework or their their actual own homework? They're doing their own. And you, oh, you realize... I thought it was yours left over from years gone by. You realize the significance of homework. It's very important, and it needs to be done because it all ends up uh, helping you down the road when you're in your career. I didn't do it. Right. Otherwise, you grow up to be a weekend talk show host. Yeah. Who wants that? Yeah, nobody wants that. It's a nightmare. Hmm. All right, well... Uh, no offense. No, no that's fine. Uh, why don't we take a break here? Okay. okay. You can smirk all you want, Joe. You think yeah. that's funny? Well, that, that was funny at all. Very funny. All right, we're going to talk about the WMHT auction, which is getting underway next week. Hey, you got to bring Aaron to that? Yay. <laughs> oh, no. Never would I go anywhere with, with you. The Again, that was awful. It was the worst thing they've ever had on that auction in all their years. Oh, okay. so you read everything in the wrong order. <laughs> and then the... No, what? Well, the thing is, you weren't acting very professional. And I oh, understand why they You had a thing around my neck. You were pulling me down to the ground I right on TV. I was trying to help you. My microphone popped out of my hand. I had a helmet on. That fell off. Somebody's <laughs> blowing bubbles. <laughs> the first time in the history of the auction, they had to stop their five-minute clock. They stopped it yeah. because I was on the floor. <laughs> okay, it's a... Uh, well, security came, took care of everything. It's 746. Good morning. Dr. Dina Dell tonight at 7. 810 WGY. From the Weather Channel, I'm meteorologist Ed Levy on News Talk Radio 810 WGY. Hardy Artie's on the phone right now. He's not paying any attention to his duties, so I'll uh, handle the temperature. I believe it's 44. These bifocals don't really read the numbers that great, but 44 sounds... Is it 44, uh, Joe? Yes, the, it's uh, 44 degrees. Oh, it's pretty close. You know what? I don't know why you... Keep you, you keep turning on my microphone while I'm trying to talk see, to, uh, talk to uh, Joe, our guest. Joe has something he wants to play here, which is from my appearance on the Channel 17 auction. It's yeah. the reason I've never uh, been asked back, but I... Uh, you're going to put that on? Yeah, uh, okay. sure. I, I don't think it's a good idea to put it on. I mean, it's Why not? not? To probably Mr. Uh, Mr. Garling probably gave you that. Did he give you something, of uh, 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 an audio thing of, of, uh, when I was on it? Well, yeah, it's a little, well, well, you a little bit of a sound. really have to... Um, Joe Gallagher on the Channel 17 auction, and now we'll look to board A, or should it be board B? No, that's board C. Okay, we're going to go to item 5, item 1. Uh, board D? Okay, board, board B? 
What? You want me off the... Okay. You want me out of here. Okay. Sorry. Out the back door. Okay. Me. Out the back door. Out I went. Out the back door. Anyway. Mr. Garling. Yes, Mr. Thanks Mr. for bringing, bringing that audio. Well, we appreciate that. Well, that's okay. Did, did, did anybody tell you which door to go out of also? Or? <laughs> how many boards do you have? How can a guy... How can a guy possibly not go wrong sometimes? Well, you know, Joe, you just... Uh, you know, we'd love to have you back just to, um, you know, rectify the situation and then let people know that, you know, it's not all that hard to do this. <laughs> all right. I appreciate your kind words. Uh, anyway, your auction start. When does your auction start? It starts uh, next Friday evening. All right. Oh, Friday evening. Friday evening at 6 o'clock and uh, goes on from there for about 65 hours altogether uh, over a course of nine days. And how many items are up for a bid? Oh, gosh, we're closing in on 3,000 items this year. We've got everything that you can imagine. In fact, imagine something and ask me if we've got it, Joe. All right, imagine, uh, how about, um, how about art? Uh, plenty of art, yes. In fact, uh, including, um... Our featured artist this year, which is, uh, has done a wonderful piece called Hudson River Scene. And uh, for the first time, uh, you can not only bid on the original, but uh, the, uh, the prints that we have available for um, a, a standard price will be G-Clay prints. They almost look like they're the original oils. They're just mm -hmm. gorgeous. And it's a Hudson River Scene of uh, circa 1800s and you know, 1840s. <laughs> it's just beautiful. How about the original Magna Carta? Uh, that we weren't able to get, but uh, we're, we're looking on getting some photocopies. <laughs> uh, all right, so how, I know you do all things like from car washes to uh, you name it. I oh, mean. To, to cars. Hey, this year we actually had uh, um, donated to us by our good friends at Robert's Fine Jewelry in Albany a 1966 Mercedes-Benz 250 SE. Ooh. And it's it's just it's in in oh. shape to be put into shape. You know, it's one of those you know put it in your garage and work on it cars. And uh, and we're we're expecting a lot of business around that. You know, the last time I was there, well, before the uh, <clears throat> the problem with the board B, A, and C, uh, I sat in these chairs. I thought we were supposed to sit to rest before we went on. It turned out they were very expensive auction items. And yeah, they the were, <laughs> they were, and they became even more expensive after you got out of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now you're going to have a lot of people from the community involved in this too, right? We always do. We've got some fine uh, underwriters uh, from uh, some of the uh, greatest corporations in the area that come in and they do guest auctioneering. We have radio and TV but some of your favorite radio and TV personalities will be there, which is you know, why <laughs> Joe can't make it uh, this year. Uh, <laughs> but no, a lot of fun stuff. Uh, let, me, let me tell you about some of the, the highlights. We've got a day of shopping in New York City Ooh. with E's fashion emergency host, Leon Hall. He's the guy that sits with Melissa and Joan Rivers and talks about uh, the people coming down the red carpet and what they're wearing and all that stuff. He's going to take you shopping? He'll take you shopping. Who pays for that? Then you uh, Well, you have to bring your own money to actually do the shopping, okay. but he'll, he'll make sure that you're spending it wisely. Alright, okay. okay. And then there's the uh, we have Broadway show tickets. We have these uh, great packages to move it out, which include uh, signed posters by all the members of the current cast. We have tickets to the Glass Menagerie and, and other Broadway shows as well. We have golf and beach vacations that you can buy uh, for up to like 200 different cities in the, in the world that you can go to, and they're there at a set price. But those are a lot of fun to, to purchase and, and go on vacation. But, you know, the fun part is that there's something for everybody. How about dinner for six at the Rensselaerville Institute up in, up in uh, the Heldebergs? That's Great place. Nice. You have educational courses, too, don't you? I'm sorry? Yeah, educational courses. Educational like, courses, yes. The, the Sage Colleges and a few of the other schools in the area, uh, Union University, have uh, given us uh, credit hours to auction off. We have family fun passes to the Great Escape. 
we have, here you go, Joe, if you're getting married soon, a white rock dove release, okay, where you have doves released at your ceremony. <laughs> I mean, that you know, that's there. Several times an hour, we've got fine dining and hotel stays in the region and, and around the country. There really is something for everyone. How about uh, synthetic suede blankets from Adirondack Blanket Works, uh, basket, baskets full of chocolates right up your alley here from oh. the chocolate shop. Well, now, you'd like, pe- now listen, you'd like people to overbid because that helps you uh, Channel 17. With Absolutely. Them. Actually, what we were looking for is one of those magic wands that you have, <laughs> yeah. and we would want to turn all the bid- all the people bidding into overbidders. <laughs> It'd be fantastic, and well, then we'd never have to worry about funding public broadcasting again. I was just going to say before you interrupted me, uh, I was going <laughs> to... Are you still there, Mr. Garland? I think so. I was going to say that l- what happens is sometimes people can get a great deal without... I mean, it doesn't go quite as high as you'd like, right? Absolutely. I mean, That's the fun of the auction. You never know. Uh, I mean, you, you never, never know. know. You, you might get uh, bread for a year from Panera Bread for, uh, you know, 60 bucks. Now, how can you buy bread for a year for 60 bucks? I know. That, you can't. Uh, that's, now, listen. So, it starts Friday night. starts uh, Friday evening at 6 o'clock, and we're on weekends starting at 2, and weeknights starting at 6, right on through May 7th. And that uh, helps. Uh, this is a very important uh, auction for you, right? It is uh, always, every year. This is our 32nd year of doing this, and uh, as always, we need uh, the money to keep the programming as strong as it is. This is our biggest single fundraiser uh, that we have every year, and uh, everybody can get involved. That's the fun part. Okay, we only got a sec here, but this is this your last year in your current building, right? You're moving on to a new... Yes, it is. We'll be moving into our new digital facilities over in the uh, RPI Tech Park this fall. We're really excited about that, and um, yeah, we're putting the guest list together now for that opening night, and if you, you know, slip me a couple bucks, I'll get you in. <laughs> I can just see me around all that new stuff. That'd be great. It's going to be fun. Uh, it's going to mean even better programming for everybody here in the, in the great Northeast. Well, that's great. Mr. Garling, always good to have you come on. Good luck with the auction. I know it's always a great event, and uh, a lot of people get involved, and it helps you guys continue your great work at Channel 17. Thanks for your time today, and good luck next and week. And thanks for helping us out, Joe. You bet now. Bye-bye. Uh, Warren Garling, he's the on-air auction manager uh, at uh, Channel 17. Do you think the new Pope will address the concerns of American Catholics? I'm Lori Bradley.